Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the flight attendants, from the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Wonderfully Diverse, and I came to this topic watching a repeat episode of Lost, the TV show about the airplane that crashes on an island. And I was thinking how unreal, well, granted, there's a lot of things that are unreal about that show, but how unreal it would be to have that many good-looking people on one aircraft. <laughs> I have never been on an aircraft with that many good-looking people. I mean, they've got one heavyset guy, Hurley, thrown in there as like a token normal-looking person. Everybody else is model perfect. And I was wondering what my job would be like if everybody on the plane was perfect and beautiful and relatively normal. Well, I don't think it'd be as much fun because in actuality, people are a lot more diverse than that. And I think there's something kind of wonderful about that. In this episode, we're gonna hear about a lot of wonderfully diverse people. We're gonna have a story about a group of monks, a very large gentleman getting stuck in the aircraft lavatory, a drunk priest, <laughs> Some flight attendants having fun, sometimes at the pilot's expense. And also a couple um, listeners emailed me some funny things about my last episode, The Bell Ringers. So my listeners can be very funny. Let's get moving and let's hear some stories about some non-perfect, wonderfully diverse people. This flight attendant that lives in uh, San Diego had an assignment um, or a trip out of uh, Ontario Airport, which is quite a bit of a drive. It's probably over an hour drive, and it was really hot that day, and he had no air conditioning in his car. So he decided to drive to work in his shorts and a little T-shirt and a pair of flip-flops and had his, um, his uniform and suitcase and everything in the back of the car. So... He gets to the Ontario airport, and this was before it was remodeled, so it was a very small little men's bathroom, and he's in the bathroom changing his clothes, and all of a sudden, he looks down, and he realizes he doesn't have his uniform shoes. <laughs> so here he is in his suit, tie, with a pair of flip-flops, and he's cussing up a storm. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? So he opens the door, and then he's really embarrassed because there's a priest standing outside the bath in the bathroom washing his hands and he looks over and he goes is there a problem and he goes yeah and he explained what was going on and he looks down and he's got his bare feet with a pair of flip-flops and his uniform so the priest said i think i might have a solution to your problem so the priest gave him a little pair of black 
little like booties that they little slippers that the priests wear at the altar <laughs> and it just so happens the priest was on his flight so anyway walking around on the airplane in his little little black slippers and then he has to go on his layover in these little black little slippers meanwhile on the airplane he was so appreciative to the priest that he kept plying him with liquor and by the time they got to boston <laughs> They had to get a wheelchair for the priest. <laughs> so they're wheeling the priest off in the wheelchair. And, well, the, the end of the story is kind of cute because every time now that they would travel, they would take these little booties with them and they take photographs of them like in front of the Taj Mahal with these little booties and they send it to the priest. And he just loved it. He just thought it was such a great little thing that they would send these little booties. And these pictures all around the world. They traveled all around the world and take these little booties with them. Anyway, it was kind of a cute story. pilot report and it's uh, it was a Japan Airlines flight is trying to do the right thing and report moderate turbulence uh, to center so the other airplanes know about it and center didn't quite understand him and so what what he's trying to do is uh, tell him he's got this moderate turbulence so Japan Airlines is, is reporting we got we got and center kept saying say it again so each time he gets more and more excited and it, it goes on until finally another pilot on another airplane had to break in and translate for the controller and tell him that he's, you know, Japan Airlines is trying to report moderate turbulence, you know. Now, my last episode was called The Bell Ringers, and I told stories about passengers ringing their call bells and asking for sometimes silly things. And one of the stories regarded a passenger, a woman who rang her bell and requested that we not release the sweet scent that we release on landing, and we don't have any scent. I didn't know what she was talking about. And a listener, listener Jeremy, wrote me and said... Perhaps the kind of passenger who requested the scent not be released on landing was referencing descent, as in when the pilot gets on the PA and says, Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to begin our descent. <laughs> Maybe she took it literally. I thought that was hilarious. It made my day. Thanks, Jeremy. And another listener, Philippe, from France, who's actually a pilot in France, wrote that in France, the flight attendants call us tamagoshis, like the Japanese toys, because they have to feed them every hour. He said sometimes they're bell ringers because they will ring their bell when they're in crew rest sitting in their first class seats, taking the required rest, and they will ring the bells as sort of like a joke with the flight attendants. And he said there's a joke in France about the fact that airline pilots usually die younger than other people. The legend says that pilots usually pass away within five years of retirement. And he said, do you know why? <laughs> because when the pilots retire, the company usually forgets to tell their wives <laughs> that they have to feed them every hour. So the poor old pilots starve to death. <laughs> Thanks, Philippe. I thought that was very cute also. And 
we don't feed our pilots every hour. Actually, we don't have any food on board, so we don't feed our pilots at all. <laughs> There's a big difference there across the pond. Anyway, let's get back to our diverse passengers. There's no asking why, so just tell me when you don't ask. I remember reporting for work uh, at the L.A. airport, walking through the airport before signing and seeing all these Buddhist monks in their saffron-colored um, robes, I guess you'd call them. Yes, and I'm thinking, oh, my, I wonder what flight they're going on. And after we reported, we're walking up to the gate to our flight. I think we were doing a transcontinental from L.A. to New York. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, we had mentioned it in briefing that, oh, yeah, we, there was a bunch of monks, Buddhist monks up in the, in the uh, airport area. And um, so we get to our flight, and lo and behold, they're all on our flight. Well, I think we had about, I would say, half the flight. We were on a 767, so I would say we had close to 100 monks on board. And which, that was not the problem. The only problem is they cannot take anything directly from a female. And we only had one male flight attendant on board. He's looking like, oh, my God. And we, we figured, oh, well, we'll just sit down and he can do all the work. Well, it turns out, fortunately, they had helpers that uh, would, you would pass transfer to them and then they would so they had to stand out at the door before they got on the airplane so when they handed their boarding card in they would hand it to the helper the helper then would hand it to the flight attendant flight attendant would tear the stub hand it back to the helper and the helper would hand it to the monk <laughs> so then on the airplane and they were very nice but You'd walk down the aisle, and uh, they would all like, like, duck into their seats, and so that their, so their hands or your hands or they couldn't so touch nice. part of you. So you started sort of feeling like second-class citizen to a certain degree, but that's their religion, and you respect that. But fortunately, during the service, we were serving a meal, um, and. The helpers would come, and they would hand, you know, you'd hand them the tray. They would then hand them. So they actually did help. But it was kind of interesting because they all had their special meals. Yeah, their, their special meals, which that worked out fine. But then on our transcontinental flight, we would have a second little, like, snack service before landing. And, of course, that wasn't specially catered for because they were, like, little snack boxes and they didn't have special meals for those however they took care of that when we came through with the little snacks for the rest of the passengers these helpers had taken out these bundles from the overhead bin that were wrapped in all the same color as their robes and they were like little backpacks and they had so we're getting ready to do our second little service and of course they can't have what we were serving so 
uh, as I said, they had these bundles wrapped up in this saffron-colored fabric, same as their colored robes, and they started pulling it out, and the helpers went into the back, unrolled them, and out on the galley, they had all this special kind of bread that they had, and then they were these jars of, like... So they were preparing food? They, they were. They had these jars of special, like... It almost smelled like a curry or something. It was very, very strong smelling. Our old galley just smelled horrible. And so they were like putting dabs of all this special food uh, on these little pieces of, they were like a bread thing. And so then they were like passing them out. And this one American male passenger standing back there, oh, can I have some of that? And I'm like, I don't think so. But anyway, actually, they were all very, very nice. But they did kind of shrink from you, you know. They didn't want to. But this one passenger, or monk, I should say, was sitting in the very last row right before the jump seat and the galley. And that's typically where the flight attendants would stow their bags and their little in-flight shoes. So at the end of the flight, she's trying to get her bag out of it and under the, his bag behind his seat. And he is, like, squirming. He is very, very uncomfortable. And I think by the end of the slide, she is like, okay, enough of this already. So then she goes, I won't touch you. I won't touch you. I won't touch you. And she's, like, going to poke him, but she's not quite ready to poke him. And I won't touch you. I won't touch you. And then all of a sudden, he just starts laughing really hard. And we're like, I can't believe you did that. name is Neil. He's from the UK, and he said he saw this story in the newspaper, and it was about an Australian airline, and it was about an employee, an airline employee, traveling standby, which, of course, I'm very familiar with. And when you're traveling standby, of course, you're flying for free or close to free, but you are standby, so it's always a little stressful. And once they call your name, and you get on the plane, and you put your luggage away, and you sit down, you're kind of like... Ah, you know, I made it. Woohoo. But every so often, and it has happened to me a few times, uh, the agent will have to come on and say, you know, the revenue passengers have showed up. You're going to have to get off the plane. And it's such a drag because, you know, you're already on the plane, but we're all very aware of this process. And he said in the newspaper, it was an Australian airline and an employee had boarded the plane and the employee's name was Mr. Gay. And when he had got on the plane, another passenger had asked him to trade seats. So he had. So now the agent came on because the flight now, the revenue passengers had showed up. So he was going to have to have the employee get off the plane. So he went to the seat where Mr. Gay was assigned and he said... If you're gay, I'm afraid you're not going to get on, be able to get on this flight. However, the person that he was speaking to wasn't Mr. Gay. But hearing the conversation, the employee, Mr. Gay, stood up and said, no, I'm gay. And the agent told him, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get off. And Mr. Gay started to remove his luggage. <laughs> At this point, a few rows away, a passenger who overheard the conversation stood up and announced indignantly, to the agent and the other passengers, you can't do this. I'm gay too, but you're not going to throw all of us off this plane. <laughs> the report didn't explain how the agent got out of that one. How cute is that? I also want to thank another listener, Edward, who um, suggested this new software. It's called Sound Soap, and it's, uh, it helps get rid of um, background noise. So 
I'm hopefully going to get that installed, up and running, so my next episode, hopefully the audio on the aircraft will be slightly better. So thanks to all my listeners for all the nice emails and stories and all the goodwill. Now back to our diverse people. Well, I, I suppose everybody's been on an airplane when you've had a hard landing. And, of course, the captain is extremely embarrassed to come out and say goodbye to everybody. But there's, I remember I've heard, hearing about a little old lady that came up to the passenger as they deplane and said, he's captain saying goodbye. And she said, Sonny, was that a landing or are we shot out of the sky? <laughs> anyway, that's kind of an old story. But there's actually a flight attendant back in the old days that would carry this big extra pair of panties around in her suitcase and after everybody had deplaned she'd put these on and have them around her ankles and walk up to the cockpit and say that sure was a hard landing <laughs> <laughs> You know, some things just kind of gel and come together in the strangest way. And on this particular day, we got on the airplane, and the co-pilot had this very ugly old man's mask with, you know, the hair and the little pimply, warty-looking things. And it's not Halloween. And it's not Halloween. He just, for some reason, had it with him. And it just so happens that there was another comedian working in the galley on the L-1011, who sent up a coffee pot with dry in it, which produces this effect of fog. <laughs> and he sent it up right as we're laughing at this mask. So, of course, one of us, being me, <laughs> put the mask on, had somebody stuff a pillow in my back. Those were the days when we had pillows. Stuffed a pillow in my back, and I took this coffee pot in one hand and a pot of real coffee in the other hand. And I walked through the aisle, and I said, Would you like some coffee? Can I get you some coffee? So, of course, that cracked up the entire airplane. I got my picture taken four times. The mayor of Atlanta was on the flight, thought it was hysterical. So the coordinator goes up to the cockpit, and she says, one of the flight attendants is kind of snapped back there. And the captain said, well, send her up. So I busted through the cockpit door. And I said, yeah, you wanted to see me? What do you want? <laughs> and then, of course, they cracked up. So it was just a very interesting, fun day. In the midst of, midst of these about five seventy-five-year-old Jewish widows from New York coming out to Salt Lake, and I was in uniform, unfortunately. And she, you know, it didn't take me long to realize that clearly their husbands had probably died because they'd hung themselves. <laughs> but, but I'm sitting next to this one who's in her mid-seventies. She has a lot of questions, and I'm in uniform, so we're cruising it. 35,000 feet. She's looking out the window. She's obviously concerned. She nudges me. Fortunately, just before I had drifted off to sleep, 
and says, I don't think we're moving. And I says, no, we're, we're moving, trust me. We're, she looks out the window a little longer and nudges me again. I'm pretty sure we're not lo- moving. Look out here and you'll see. It doesn't look like we're moving. I said, trust me, we'd be moving some direction. <laughs> so questions all during the flight. We get ready to start our descent into uh, Salt Lake City. And the flight attendant has her put her bag under the seat in front of her. She's got it behind her legs. She does it disgruntledly. The flight attendant leaves. She says, what's to keep the bag from flying back this way? And I said, well, you know, very few airplanes crash going backwards, (laughs) which prevented her from talking to me anymore because I'd used the C word. (laughs) That was the end of that conversation. It was not enough time for me to get any sleep, though. About um, about a month ago, we were boarding the airplane out of Honolulu, and um, the agent brought on this uh, gentleman in a wheelchair, and um, he must have weighed about 400 pounds. Anyway, he comes out in a wheelchair. He's absolutely gross. He's huge, which, you know, no offense to heavy people, but the thing is, is he's wearing shorts, okay? you got to have this in your mind. He's wearing the little shorts. They came 400 pounds. Nah, 387, but, you know, anyway, he's 400 pounds. And he's uh, got the shorts on. They're all bunched up in the in between his legs, you know, with the big roll after roll after roll. And then he's got a T-shirt on, and he's tucking. You know, he's tucking the shirt in. He's tucking it he's in. He's tucking it in. So this is, uh, you got to see this guy. And his hair's all matted, and it's all ugly. And, and anyway, he sits down, and... Um, what seat? what seat was he sitting? He was in se- <laughs> He was sitting at 13 C D and E. And insisted on sitting where his legs were on the aisle the whole time. So he was a very imposing man. And just kind of not a very nice person. He was just snapped at the flight attendants. It was very unpleasant. Anyway, about... Um, and he was up a lot. He got up a lot. You know, up and... Well, he got up okay. And he would go into the bathroom, come back and sit down. Anyway, about uh, about an hour and a half, two hours out of L.A., this woman from the from coach comes running up to first class and she says... This man, this man back there, he's stuck in the bathroom. Stuck. So um, my flying partner, a little Japanese girl, very tiny, very, very traditional from Japan, you know, very, very sweet, quiet girl. She went running back there. You know, me, I just kind of walk slow and just like, stand there. <laughs> she's, she's standing at the door, and... She's knocking on the door from standing with her back to the bathroom door, knocking on the door. Sir, sir, are you all right? And I was a few uh, few rows ahead of her, and I'm watching her. And all of a sudden, I see her put her hands up in front of her mouth and said, No, 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 sir. I don't think so. And so I said, What? What? And she said, He asked me to wipe his... And I said, Absolutely not. Say no. And anyway, he's stuck in the bathroom, right? But, and then he said to her, if you can't find somebody that, that if you can't do it, you need to find somebody who will. So then we debated on getting on the PA system and saying, ah, uh, please come to the forward bathroom. But <laughs> nobody volunteered for that one. So that, anyway, you can imagine all the things that were running through our minds. It was just, it was crazy. He managed to find his way out of the bathroom. But if you think about the visual of a 400-pound man in that tiny little bathroom back there, filling every little space wedged in there, and everything hung over. So. Talking about this story for, for 
for weeks now. Oh, look, you have to see. See, Japanese people, It's a, when they say no, it's kind of they wave their hand in front of the face. Oh, no, 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 sir. We only do food and beverage. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel this wonderful world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.